0: It's great to have uh, Mike Swinburne speaking this evening. So let's just give him a round of applause as he comes to share. So thank you, Mike. I'm
1: going to be speaking to you from Luke 4. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to it. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to look at or read uh, verses 1 to 13. And it says, Uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. We'll come back to that bit. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So I'm going to pray. Father, I just pray that um, as I share my thoughts and possibly ramblings tonight, Lord God, that we would learn something uh, more about you, Father God, go into a deeper understanding of who you are, Lord, and, uh, and yeah, God, just uh, be with us, fill us with your spirit, and yeah, let us get something good from this tonight, oh, amen. So um, this, this kind of talk came about a little bit from verse two, really. I was doing Bible reading with some friends a few weeks back, I do it on, uh, via an app. And um, the idea is that you read a passage of scripture together and then you can comment um, at the end of it. And I remember sort of, this, this was the, the bit for the day. I think the, the, the one we're looking at is like 100 days of Jesus, so day 37 or whatever it was. The, um, the, this, this passage came to light, and I remember reading this, and verse 2, I think, is brilliant. He ate nothing during those days, and that's 40 days, and at the end of them he was hungry. What a stupid thing to say! And I don't mean that to sound as irreverent as it does. If I went for 40 days without... Well, I couldn't go for 40 days without food. If you ask my wife, she'll tell you that I won't go for more than about 40 minutes without nibbling on something or, you know, four hours tops and I definitely need a meal. Um, but I'm going to, in a roundabout way, look at that a little bit, that, this, this idea of, of hunger. I hadn't realised when... Um, until a couple of days ago, actually, that when I was, I was starting to write all my thoughts down and, and gather everything together into some sort of format. Um, the lent upon us. Um, the kids are having pancakes tonight, so I've been informed. I was very tempted, to, to be honest, to go out there. Um, there's, there's pancakes afterwards, though, I, I understand, Andrew, yeah? With different toppings. Anything nuts in there? Stay away from nuts? Uh, orange. Get out. It's just weird. Anyway, um, there's this idea of Lent. Now, I will be completely honest. I've grown up in church all my life, and I've never really understood what Lent's all about. Um, So I thought I'll get on the Google machine and see what it tells us, because Google always tells the truth. And it says, um, (laughs) it says, the purpose of Lent is the preparation of the believer for Easter through prayer, doing penance. Penance, mortifying the flesh, ugh, repentance of sins, almsgiving, and denial of the ego. <laughs> uh, <ooh. laughs> this event is observed in the Anglican, Eastern Orthodox, uh, Lutheran, Methodist, Moravian, Oriental Orthodox, Reformed, and Roman Catholic churches. That means that we don't have to do it. You can binge on all the chocolate that you want, um, which I'm sure we will be doing later with pancakes. Um, but yes, so yeah, we, we don't have to worry about it. But what I thought was quite interesting is kind of getting into this um, idea of, of giving something up. I kind of want to flip that around a little bit and think about not giving something up for Lent. Um, and will This is all very clever. It'll unravel as we go along. But um, kind of share a few thoughts and, and challenges maybe about, about what we read in here. So a little bit of a backstory, or or just previous to Jesus going into the desert, he is baptised by John the Baptist. And um, I'm sure we kind of all know, but in a very condensed version, uh, John baptises Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove upon him, and God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus and John both hear that. So Jesus And I think this is quite important. I think it's very significant that this happens at this point. Um, because the Holy Spirit then leads Jesus into the wilderness. And I think that is quite important. I think everything in the Bible is quite important at some point, even if we get it straight away or not. But um, Jesus, we, we I think sometimes we have to remember that Jesus was fully man. Okay, yes, he was fully God, but the Jesus part to this point, I would say, is, is Pretty much fully man as well, so the Holy Spirit descends on him. I think that there 's something in that, and it 's the Holy Spirit that then leads him into the wilderness and What is he doing there he 's spending time with God and the devil, and that too, I think is quite important and something that that to be quite honest with you, until I kind of reread and reread and reread this over the last few days to try and really get into it um, i 'd never really noticed that before I also hadn 't noticed that he was tempted for forty days. I just thought it was the three temptations at the end, but actually they're just the three that we read about. Um, I think there's a lot in that, and certainly stuff that you can get into yourself at home. But Jesus le- is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Um, and as I say, God's there, he's obviously talking to him. And the significance of this, that is, it's a time of preparation, this is he's just been baptized, he's about to go into what is essentially, I guess, his, his ministry, his three years leading up to the cross. And he's there for 40 days, which I will be coming back to that number 40 in a little bit, because this is a significant time period. But he's going to, to prepare himself. Um, and I think part of what Jesus learned in that, Time, although, like I say, this is one of these things that boggles your head. It's like trying to think of infinity. Um, he was fully God, um, he was fully man. He had to learn to hear from God. And I think part of this time in the desert, he was le- learning to hear the voice of God, but also distinguish the lies of the devil as well because he's there trying to tempt him away. If you ever tried to do something in life and and found that there's it's almost like there's there's two of you stood one on each shoulder and one's going yes go for it go for it with all your heart and the other one's going just quit just quit now. Yeah, does that ring true for a lot of us maybe? Um, I am what I would consider myself to be a bit of a keen musician. I love playing guitar, absolutely love it. And I have, I'm very fortunate, I have a, an amazing, amazing guitar teacher. I've never seen anybody play guitar the way that this guy plays guitar. Even a lot of the professionals that you see on telly. And, you know, um, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. But um, he's, he, I, I go to him to, to study. I go to him and I'm trying to glean and learn off him everything that I can. Um, not just technique, but theory. I'm trying to delve into, I guess, his brain and what he can do and trying to learn it and, and take it on board myself. Now, what tends to happen in the... Because I see him sort of in 2 weeks increments. Um, in those two weeks is, yes, I have material to practice and stuff that he's, he's taken me on a journey. Okay, He's trying to get me to, from beginner to advanced, I guess, essentially. Now, what, what we do is we have a piece of music that I will study I'll get home and I'll put on the, the computer or, or my iPad, it usually is, and um, he'll have sent me through a backing track or you know the piece of music that we're studying. I'll go home, I'll listen to this thing, I'll, I'll get it into my head, and then what will happen is a little pop-up will pop up on my computer and it'll just say... Do you want to learn guitar in five minutes? And I just think, yes, I do. You know, and it says if you want to learn, you know, for the for the small price of nine ninety nine, you can, you know, become a master guitar player in just six weeks. And I'm just thinking, wow, I've been paying this guy twenty five pound an hour, and I feel like I'm getting nowhere. And I'm bombarded with adverts of a quick a quick route to success, a quick route to being, you know. Um, great, uh, some, something that I want to be good at. I do want to be good at it. I've got a desire and a passion and a hunger for it. The problem is, and I've found this, um, that occasionally you get lured in. There's a good course pop up and it might even be by you know, somebody that I think is a great guitar player um, and I may pay my £10 for this guitar course, and you, know, you think it's brilliant. I've got 40 hours worth of video content with you know music transcription and all this. And what happens is you get through the first two or three of these lessons, and you think, oh, this is well easy. I'm better than I thought I was. And then you get to lesson five, and you think, blimey, this is impossible. And then you're stuck because you've got nobody to talk to and ask for help. And you're just left there. And then The other 35 lessons never get touched (laughs) because you just think, well, I can't get past this one. I'm absolutely stuck at this point. And what I need to check myself with myself is a little bit that I've actually, all along, I've got this guy that's taking me on a journey. It takes a little bit of time. In fact, it can take quite a bit, an awful lot of time Sometimes. Um, my, my daughter, the, uh, a, few, a few days ago, came down the stairs, um, she, she tends to creep down quite late at night, and uh, it's alright, it's just God speaking, um, and uh, it's a bit scary. And she was like, are you struggling with this, Daddy? I was like, yeah, yeah, how, how do you know? She was like, well, I can hear you. Every five minutes you go, oh, for goodness sake, for goodness sake. And, and that, is, that is like what it's, it's like. You know, it takes time. But anything worth do, you know, it's one of these cliche things, but anything you know, worth, worth doing well, it's worth spending the time on. And there's a lot of truth in that. And I think what we need to realize a little bit as a, as a church and as a society is that, it's it's like the Guinness advert. I'm so sorry to quote Guinness right now, but good things come to those who wait. You know, it's the, it's the pouring of the perfect pint. Right, I won't go back to beer, but um, but these things can take time. Jesus was in that wilderness for a significant amount of time, forty days. I'm sure if Adrian said, "Right, church, we're going to have," you know a 40 day celebration you know praise and worship and all this sort of stuff we'd be like yes great if he said let's have 40, day, 40 days of prayer we'd all just be like oh, I'm so sorry I'm really busy this week you know and next week and possibly the next month you know and I don't mean to that sound to sound condemning but it's one of those things that we, we don't always often jump at you know it, it doesn't sound that appealing um, we want the quick fix we want something to happen straight away if we can and I think we need to kind of go backwards and unravel that a little bit and get into the fact that to do something well, you, you really have to study at it. You really have to work hard at it. It takes time. It takes perseverance. It takes patience. It sometimes takes not walking away and, and you know, giving in to these other temptations that can come at us, like the quick fix guitar lesson or whatever it is. It's so easy um, to go for the promise of the quick success and listen to the voice tempting you away from what you actually, um, you know, what, what will actually get you there. And that can often be the case, you know, where God's leading. We need to spend time learning to recognize his voice in all of that. And I think that is kind of one of the things that I really want to get at as well. Are we willing to spend time doing this? Are we willing to get to know his voice? Um there is a, a Chinese philosopher, I, I wouldn't necessarily go into all this stuff, but it was a good quote at the time. Um, Lao Tzu, or Lao Tse, I think it is. He said, uh, to say I don't have time is like saying I don't want to. How often do we say I haven't got time? You know, I'm really struggling to find the time to sit down and pray. I'm really trying, struggling. And I'm, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. If, if I'm honest, I'm looking at myself, you know, I'm struggling to find the time to pray. I'm struggling to find the time to read my Bible. I'm struggling to find a bit of solitude with God. But I've also spent the day binging on Netflix. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Not just me, thankfully. <laughs> it's, it's prioritizing. What? It, it's about making a priority. You know, there's nothing wrong with Netflix. In fact, there's an awful lot of good stuff on there. There's an awful lot of rubbish on there as well. But anyway... Forty is, um, coming back to this idea of faulty, it's, it's a significant thing. I said earlier, forty seems to be these things that pops up quite a lot. Um, the, the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. Uh, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights with Noah and the ark. If you look at, I think there's some recounting of Moses' life and each section of it is split into 40, 40-year um, 40 chunks and things like this. Um, So I I thought, you know, this this whole thing—like, why, why 40, why 40 days? So I did a little bit of digging and um, and a little bit of research into it. I'm by no means an expert on this, but I found this was quite interesting. The number 40 to the Jews is a number that, when used in terms of time, represents a period of uh, probation, trial, and chastisement, which is not to be confused with judgment, which is represented by the number nine. There you go. Um, and as the product of five and eight, um, it also signifies grace, which is the number five, and in, in revival um, or new beginnings, which is number eight. I think that's quite interesting that he spends forty days, and he's a Jew. If you didn't know already, um, you know Jesus spends this time, and he's going through trials. He's going through tests. He's been been tested by, by the devil. I don't know what God was saying to him during that time, you know, um, but we know that that was there and we, we obviously read those final three at, that po- um, at the end of that chapter. But I think what I found really interesting is that it signifies grace, which ends in revival and new beginnings. Jesus from this point then goes on to show humanity grace and love and kindness, and mercy, and deliverance, and salvation. So there is a massive significance in that, and there's clearly a reason to it all. It's also, just as a, as a quick throw, I thought this one was quite interesting, it's the length of time um, that passed between Jesus' resurrection and the ascension. don't know if there's an awful lot in that, something to think about, but there you go. Um, He was preparing to go into his ministry. I think part of the problem we have today, as I kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, is that we tend to see people's successes all the time. We never really see anything that goes before that. Um, in, in life, you always see the best bits, you know. It, it, you see it all the time, I guess, you know, on TV, or in music, and all of that sort of stuff, you know, um, in it, it authors and all that. It's always their finished article. You get to see what is, I guess, essentially the masterpiece and things. Um, but I can tell you now, anything that, that, you know, that I've had a go at over the years that has finally got to a point where I think, oh, that's, that's half decent... Nobody else gets to see the blood, sweat and tears that went into it before. There's a a story, um, I quite like this. I don't know if there's any jazz fans in the house. so um, You may have heard this already. Um, I'm guessing probably not because I'm just born in the wrong era. But um, uh, there is this idea of something that's called woodshedding. I don't know if you've heard the term. You might have a few musicians. The idea is that... um, where this story kind of originates from is the, the legend saxophone player Charlie Parker um, who at one point obviously wasn't so great, he, he played a few gigs and he was lousy, he was absolutely rubbish, he really wasn't very good, um, there's an awful lot of sto- stories to hear about this guy but this, this one in particular is quite interesting um, he, he plays a few gigs, he realises he's not actually any good so he takes himself off um, and spends the summer of 1937, I think it is, um, with all of Count Bass's records. And he's le- he goes away, and he studies, and he learns all of Lester Young's guitar, uh, guitar, sorry, saxophone solos from all of those albums. Now, the interesting thing is, he hasn't got any sheet music. He can't afford it or anything like that, and it was hard to come by. He had to sit and listen to those records, He had to get them into his head, into his being, into his, you know, into his whole kind of who he is. He had to absorb it all. He had to sit there and listen and listen and listen and listen. And some of it would have probably been repetitive. He had to do it all by ear. And then he had to figure it out and transpose it. But the thing is, not only by doing that, he learned the arrangements. He learned what was built off of it, why he played certain notes in certain places. For anybody that's ever tried to do this, I can tell you now, it's exceptionally hard. As I said earlier, my guitar teacher, he throws all sorts of challenges at me, and one of the things is ear training. He'll give you some jazz standard, and he'll tell you to go home and learn it. He doesn't give you any music or anything. You've got two weeks to kind of learn this piece. It is so difficult. And it takes time. It takes an awful, awful lot of time. And then I always, I tend to go back to him and say, I've, I've got it, you know. And then he just goes, Yeah, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. That's okay, <laughs> you know. But the idea is with this sort of stuff, you've got to get it into your head, you've got to get it into your heart, and it becomes a part of you. You don't walk out of that just, you know, thinking, Brilliant, I've, just, I've got that right. It becomes part of who you are. And so Charlie Parker walks out of this, and he's an amazing musician. Because he's got into it, he spent time learning the music, learning what it is. But not only learning it, but understanding it. It becomes part of him, it became part of who he is. And he he went on to become an exceptional and inspirational player. Jesus spent 40 days in the desert, or in the wilderness, with God. And he came out the most inspirational being ever. He came out with grace and mercy and salvation, which led him ultimately to the cross for me and for you and for everybody else outside of this building as well. And so church, there's no, there is no trick. There's no shortcut. There's no, you know, principal music score. I mean, thankfully, we have the word of God. So we've got a bit of a cheat sheet, I guess, if you like there. But that time that Charlie Parker spent in there, I can guarantee you now that he would have gone through trials and temptations to quit. He would have wanted to walk out of that shed an awful lot. And it was literally a wooden shed in his back garden. He spent time in solitude. But he emerged from that and he was hungry for his gigs. He was hungry for his next gig. And so here's kind of my challenge a little bit tonight, if if I'm allowed to put one out there. Are you hungry? You see, like I said at the start of this, at first glance I thought first two was a little bit ridiculous. You know, he came out of this time and he was he was hungry. Of course you're going to be hungry. But I think this has kind of got a double meaning, if you like, or it's certainly got two things that spoke to me. One was that he was he was a man. You know, he was still a human being. He would have been starving. That is something that I'm used to hearing a lot in my house. I utter it a lot, and I've got two kids. One is a boy, so all we ever have is, and then we'll vouch she She'll be with me on this. I'm hungry. What can I have to eat? I'm hungry. You know, and it's usually followed up swiftly by, you've just had dinner and pudding. You, know, you can't possibly be hungry, but it is. And it's, it's one of these things that, I'm going to try and make an inspirational thing now. Every time my little boy goes, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. What can I have? What can I have? But he was hungry. He was literally starving at the end of 40 days. How do you feel when you're hungry? Em will tell you on the the modern day cliche, I'm I'm hangry. I'm I'm hungry and I'm angry, usually. And if, if, if Em can see me like around the house, she'll just say, just have something to eat and it, it's amazing. It's like a, a miracle cure, you know, the Mars bar or whatever it is. I get tired, I get grumpy, I get irrational. You know, it can make you feel low, and it can make you feel weak, and that's the point. Jesus came out of that time, and he, was, he's, he probably would have been quite low and weak. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that. Yes, he was God, but he was a man. He needed food. It's, it's a base need. We all need it, and I think that is why the devil jumps on him with those three temptations as well. And the first one, I, think, I don't think it's the small thing that he said, turn the stone into bread. It would have been a quick fix for Jesus. So, oh, do you know what? You're right. Let's just quit now. You know, let's have, let's have a cheeky, I'll, I'll make some bread and then, then we'll be all right. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And then say, you know, the devil throws power at him. And I think if it was me, I'd have just gone, yeah, for goodness sake, yes, let's let's just do it. Let's avoid the the the, the, the whole deal with the cross that I know is coming. Let's just let's just let's go that way around it. But he didn't. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. I'll tell you what, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> I couldn't have done any of that. But he responds to all the devil's temptations by quoting Deuteronomy, which is no small thing in itself if you if you kind of study this and again I'm no theologian or you know bible teacher on any of this sort of stuff but when jesus comes out of that that time period in the desert he knows exactly who he is he is he knows that he is the son of god he's he's so sure of it and the reason that he quotes from deuteronomy or so so i believe anyway is that he's he's in He's answering the devil in those short sentences that he gives, but he's also saying, I am the completion of everything. Everything that's gone before, where Israel fell, where mankind fell, where every, the law has broke down and all of this, I'm going to sort it all out. I'm fixing this. And that is what he ultimately went on to do with the fruition at the cross. Are we willing to spend that time and this is, this is, I'm not asking this lightly. I'm asking this. Are we willing to spend significant time alone with God? We're doing this prayer course, which I just think, I don't think that's coincidence, if I'm honest. Like, um, you know, and a lot of what we've been looking at in church has been looking at prayer and the reset series and everything like that. I think, I think this is all very, very timely, if I'm completely honest. I think it's something that as a church... And I don't mean just our church, I think as the church that we should be doing, we should be getting heavier into prayer and spending time with God. And I think for a lot of us, and I will put my hand up to this, I'm not very good at it, if I'm honest, a lot of the time. I don't spend time with God, I don't get to know his voice. And so, yes, I do fall to the temptations, but I think there is a call in, and this isn't part of my notes, I'm just, I really, really feel this right now, that this is one of these things that we we really need to start to take Seriously, if Jesus did it, if Jesus felt the need to do that, then how much more do we need to do it? If he needed to spend time with the Father, why do we think we don't? I don't mean that to sound condemning. I just want it to challenge us and to maybe make us think that we we need to maybe skip one episode on Netflix or something, or whatever it is that we like to do, and spend that time getting to know his voice it may mean taking yourself off to the woodshed or whatever shed you've got in the back, or, you know, find a space. Find somewhere with no distractions that you can do this and get to know his voice. But looking back to the hungry thing and kind of wrapping up here a little bit, but I think that Jesus also came out with another hunger. I think he was hungry for food. I certainly would have been after that time. But I think he was hungry for me. And I think he was hungry for you, and everybody else in this world. God had a plan. God is—he had this all worked out, okay. And he had a plan. And I believe that when Jesus came out of that that time in the desert, he was hungry for mankind. He was hungry to go and do the will of his Father. He was hungry to get on with his mission. I think that he was hungry to see the lost found, to see the captives freed see the condemned saved, and see the dead brought back to life. Because he knew who he was. And he could go, and if you, if you read on to the next part of this, like the, go, go read this yourselves at home, but the very next thing that happens is that Jesus goes into, back in towards Nazareth, and he, he's in the, the synagogue, and he quotes from Isaiah, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then sits down. This is interesting. He sits down, which is the position, the customary position for teaching. Didn't know that, so I'm going to get you an armchair, Adrian, next time you're up here. Um, <laughs> but he sits down to, to imply that he's teaching them. And the next thing that he says is that it's all fulfilled in him. He did that because he knew who he was in God. He'd spent significant time with his father discovering who he is and the plan that he'd got for him. He was so confident that when the people were angry and furious at what he'd just said and they drove him to the edge of a cliff, he just walked right through them and wandered on with his ministry. He knew it wasn't even his time to die. He just He just got on with it. He was so Sure of who he was. Do you know who you are in God? I'll say I don't half the time. If I'm honest, I don't think spend enough time with God. I'll be, I'll I'll hold my hands up to this. I don't spend enough time with God, and it's something that I really, really want to change. As of now, so I'm holding myself accountable. But how about the rest of us? I don't want you to answer out loud, but it's not a rhetorical question. Like, do you know who you are in God? And the way that we find that out is by spending time with him. And the next thing is, are you hungry? I'm hungry. I want some pancakes when I get out of here. But I'm also starting to get a little agitated when I come to church because I want to see the lost saved. I want to see this church filled, not with Christians that come in that are already Christians. I want to see people coming in from the outside and getting to know God, getting to know Jesus, And how is that going to happen? They're not going to walk in. We have a responsibility in all this. Jesus comes out of this 40-day period with a mission. He has a mission. And he saw his fruit of completion at the cross and then coming back. And the final thing I want to leave us with is we have a commission. Okay? If you just jump to the end of Matthew, and you probably all know this anyway, but... The last few verses in there. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, that's all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So church, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Only you can answer that for yourself. You know, I just want to, I guess, try and stir something up a little bit within our hearts. Are Are we hungry? Are we willing to spend significant time with God, getting to know his voice, but also getting to know who we are in him? And are we going to come out of those times feeling hungry, ready to live out that great commission? That means that we've actually got to do something. It means that we've got to go into the world and tell people about Jesus. There is a responsibility on us. And I think (laughs) we don't do it. I've said it. I don't think we do it often, enough. if I'm completely honest. I certainly don't. I don't think we do it as often as we should. I think we've come up with far too many fancy phrases like, well, you know, we're quick to jump on the quotes of, you know, spread the gospel, use words if necessary. Spread the gospel, you've got to use words. Our actions carry a lot of weight, but the words have got to go with it as well. And it's, it's all there. We have to teach people. We have to disciple people. And there is a huge responsibility on the church. And I think certainly in this day and age as well to go with it, so... So there we go. I want to wrap up there. I don't want to keep waffling or anything, but are we hungry, church? Are we willing to to spend significant time with God, get to know his voice, get to know who we are in him as an individual, as a church, as this church family? Are we hungry? Are we wanting to see the lost come to him? Are we hungry? Thank you for listening. Thank you.
0: That's great, Mike. Thanks for the challenge and the inspiration and the challenge of that. Let's, you know, that, that, that's great. I mean, this morning we were, we were looking at this, the idea of renewing our strength. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. This evening, Mike's, Mike's taking a, a different but a similar, a similar line. It, 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 you know, it, it, it's amazing. And we do feel that as a church that God is calling us to realign reset our hearts. We've, we started a series in our mornings all on the theme of reset. Andrew and I were um, away at, 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 within our Elam network of churches. We were away at our, a, a regional, a regional uh, uh, leaders meeting. And, and in that, the national leader for the Elam churches, so he's, he, he looks out over 500 churches in Elam, has been sharing about resetting he, I he knocked me over with a feather. I nearly fell off my seat when he said he started to talk about reset and the, the national church needs to reset. I wanted to say to Chris Cart, right, I've been talking about that for about the last six weeks already. But he's been going around the country sharing that. And and so the, the, the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church, its heart, a, a realigning and, and coming and spending time and getting passion and and stirring up the... The, 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 the coals of the fires of our hearts. And that, that, is, that is just so good and so true and, and stirring up a passion in our soul. Mike's challenged us, are we hungry? Well, let's ask, you know, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Maybe we need a renewal tonight. Maybe there's a realignment, a reset, you know. Uh, I don't know what it might be, but uh, passion again, afresh. When I first became a Christian, 37, wow. 37 years ago, I became a Christian. And uh, the Word of God was alive. It is alive today, but I couldn't stop. I wanted more. I I couldn't wait. There was a jump in my heart, my step, and uh, it was the same sort of jump in my heart that I had when I first met Helen many, many years later. It's not, not that it's all about feelings, but it is about feeling. I would say it's not about feelings, but it is. There is something about the spirit of desire and passion. And uh, Mike's absolutely right in that when the devil says, you know, turn this into bread, Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's 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 another bit. And it's absolutely right. So let's maybe it's a renewal. Maybe monotony, routine, maybe being in church a long time, you've been in different church traditions traditions are great but when they stand in the way of relationship so let's renew let's renew we've challenged to renew aren't we and mike's challenging us tonight heavenly father we love you we thank you we open our hearts and our lives are fresh to you thank you for the word that mike has brought tonight about a hunger a hunger for you and a hunger for our world when we get our hunger right with you you taste and see that the lord is good We'll then have the correct hunger for our world. We'll we'll reach those around us. And so we come tonight and open and want to embrace again and afresh your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way. We open our hearts and minds to you afresh. Come and be released anew. May there be nothing that would hold you back in my imagination, my heart, my traditions. Just have your way, we pray. Father God, we love you. Let your word jump off the page alive. You send forth your word and you heal them, it says. You're the living word, Jesus. Just say the word and we shall be healed. We just ask you to move a freshness. We want to renew our hearts and lives and line up our hearts and minds and spirits with you. Holy Spirit, come and take my life. Jesus, we love you. Take our lives, we pray, as we seek to renew, renew in you. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you.